97.5. The Game. And welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game, doing things a little bit differently today. Tyler West and Chris along with you. So I have Gamecock Central Takeover Hour right now from 10 to 11. And then coming up at 11 o'clock, we will have the Garnet Trust Hour with today's guest Hayden Brown, uh, accommodating his schedule a little bit. So just kind of flipping things. But all good. Still, still doing the same thing, just in a different order. Like to keep the people guessing. That's right. I Always keep them on their toes. Doing the unexpected. Will what, that be a theme? Once they start figuring out the answers, you got to change the questions. Oh, Tyler getting philosophical. There you go. Did it, you catch what I said, though, Tyler? I did. You know? Yeah. Was that a, a tease theme? that Chris tease. is going to pick South Carolina to upset Georgia? If if Hey, if we want to let people think that and stretch that out until Friday at about 11.54, <laughs> we then got, we can uh, do that. We got 26 more hours <laughs> until you can That's right. fulfill that. Actually, Colin always plays spoiler because he puts out the picks on Friday morning, I think. Mm-hmm. So my pick will already be in. So if you... Is your pick listen, in? Like, is it in? No, and, and I just reminded myself I, I need yeah, to get my I, picks in. I, I don't gotta, have any of my picks in for this week so I far. I don't either. I need to do Y'all that, Y'all are going to get another group text from Colin. Well, <laughs> Ken, Kendall was, like, gloating about getting hers in on, like, Monday of this week. Mm-hmm. I'm like... It's not a competition. Well, you didn't know this, but you could have y'all could have responded that her prediction, her in game prediction came a few hours before the Furman game. So she can't gloat about that one. She's a little late on that. But no, That's Colin's true. on it. We can all aspire to be like Colin with our spreadsheets and our uh, extreme non procrastination. He's all over it. I think Kendall's ears were burning. Uh oh. Uh oh. Is she listening to us? No, she just randomly texted me. So oh, okay. I, She's probably listening. Now I'm going to yeah. be in trouble. She's going to call me old again. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, you do say things. What, what is it Chris says? Youngins. Youngsters. Youngsters. Youngins. I heard, Kids I started laughing days. the other day. I can't remember where it was or what it was, but some sports person said youngsters the other day, and I was like, see, I felt validated. Mm. But you know what I did this morning? I spent a good bit of time watching Georgia, Tyler. Okay. Watch Georgia Ball State. All right. This morning, scouting report. Matchup. Yeah, big, good, good, fun, competitive game. <laughs> a barn burner. Were you screaming at Mike Bobo too? Uh, no. Were you? No, but Did you tell him to run the ball. A lot of fans were. What, what did really? Bobo do wrong? Why? Now? Well, they like didn't I, score any points in the first quarter, so clearly he's ineffective. Let's let's do the thing we did yesterday, where we just asked Tyler Georgia questions <laughs> yeah. as opposed to the opposite. So, is this the Bobo offense, or is this? The you know are they still in the whole Clemson thing like oh this is the Clemson off is this not the Munkin offense it looks very similar to the Munkin offense I mean I haven't noticed a huge difference in it to be honest with you and look Bobo was an assistant or an analyst I guess last season under the Munkin offense so he's very familiar mm-hmm. with it it's not like he just walks in the door and they hand him the playbook and said here learn this and call it like he was ingrained in the system a year ago so everything that I've seen so far looks pretty similar I don't think it's gonna be that different. Yeah, that, that was the impression I got as well. Now, obviously, they haven't probably showed anything no, so far. I but, doubt it. But just like the structure of it, it feels very similar to what we saw 
you know, under Monken. And I, I thought Monken obviously did a fantastic job and kind of took their offense to another level, I think. But, you know, and, and even when Bobo was here, it was kind of a mix between, like, the old school mm-hmm. Bobo offense where they're under center, fullback, um, you know, super old school, but much more spread out, sure. much more shotgun, much more sort of uh, of a modern take on that offense. And, and it seems like just, again, it's two games, but it seems like Georgia has kind of taken even another step as far as the evolution of what he wants to be as a play caller and – I imagine, I mean, these guys that are playing right now, they've been in the Monken scheme. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you said, Bobo has been there as an analyst. So do you want to ask all your players to kind of relearn things, or do you want to put it on the million-dollar coordinator right. to, to learn and, and sort of adjust? And it, it seems, obviously, we're not in the room there. I don't have that intimate knowledge, but it seems like that's the route they have gone. Yeah, definitely so. And look, this is the best talent that Bobo's worked with as a whole in an offense pretty much in his entire career. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those things like just keep it on the tracks and try not to do anything too different. What do we think of Carson Beck? It's hard to tell because, I mean, he really (laughs) hasn't played a consequential snap yet. He's come in and mop-up duty for Stetson Bennett in countless games over the past two seasons. He could have played with one arm tied behind his back against UT Martin and Ball State, and they would have been fine. So, like, these are the first, like, serious, like, snaps that he's taken this weekend against South Carolina. So, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, he's, he's done fine. He's done his job through the first two games. And, I mean, through one interception. Other than that, I thought he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I feel like he looks like a quarterback who is kind of filling his way into being the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he missed some throws, I thought, especially early on against Ball State. Just looked not quite comfortable. Had an early fumble, too. Mm-hmm. You know, just, um, I, I don't know. I, but I also go into this game, I'm like, can can South Carolina make that matter? You know, like, are uh, on paper, you're going to give Georgia the edge on the line of scrimmage from, from both standpoints, from both sides of the ball. Right. So... You know, I give South Carolina the edge at quarterback, you know, based on what we've seen so far. Right. Um, fairly easily. But as we know, you know, quarterback is a position that you're so reliant on your your front giving you time. And mm. on the other side, it, you know, if Georgia is able to just run the football at will, then you once again, then sort of that, well, hey, can Carson Beck make the throws when he has to thing? That gets for Georgia. That gets delayed another, however many. Weeks. When do they go to Auburn? Uh, so they got UAB next week, and I think they're on the road at Auburn after that. So another two weeks yeah. before then. So that that's sort of the game. I, I did uh, the Dogs XQ podcast yesterday, and I was talking to Palmer Thoms. That's sort of the game. The Georgia fan base has circled as like, all right, this will be his first road test. This will be. You know, when we start to find out, not, and dude, I don't know that Auburn is all that good this year either. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see if he has to go win that game from an on the field standpoint, like literally, or if it's just more about he's playing on the road, hostile environments, you know, all those things that go into playing quarterback. But I, I, I had this take yesterday on our podcast. I think the key to this game for South Carolina is to make your, 
quarterback advantage actually become a factor in this game? If the trenches are so lopsided that it doesn't matter, then, you know, it, it really truly does not matter that you have an elite quarterback in Spencer Rattler. You you have to do well enough up front to where that difference becomes apparent and becomes a factor in the game. Yeah, and you don't want like you don't want to leave this game and say, well, Carson Beck was, you know, Grayson Lambert esque. Now Carson Beck is more <laughs> talented than Grayson Lambert, right? But that that was easy work in that game in sure. what, twenty fifteen for Grayson Lambert. Set you, the record. You you don't want that for Carson Beck. You want to like last year if you would have said, We're gonna make Stetson Bennett beat us bad strategy because he can beat you and and he showed that over and over and over mm-hmm. he was a dynamic athlete he could throw the football he made good decisions um Carson Beck I think now this could end up I could end up eating my words on this but so far he has not shown he has not proven that he can you know how is he under pressure yeah. I mean he he hasn't had to go down and lead a drive UT Martin or Ball State, we don't know. There's mm-hmm. there's there's some unknown here. It could be that he turns out to be one of the best quarterbacks Georgia's ever had. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. Uh, so to Wes's point, make him beat you. Don't for, try find a way. I mean, this is a key. Obviously, you got to find some a way to make him be the guy. Um, if they're just lining up and running the football, which they've had some question marks there. I know they're supposed to get uh, Dywan Edwards back probably for this game. Kirby Smart said he could have gone last week, didn't have to play against Ball State. So they'll, they'll be healthier there, and they've obviously got some really good backs, um, as they always do, and they have a massive offensive line. But I've seen some things from Beck watching the first two games. He hasn't been super sharp. Now, maybe week three, unfortunately, for South Carolina is when they put it all together. That's very possible. An offense as talented can always do that. But they've been a little sloppy, which if you haven't watched the games, if you just kind of looked at the box score, you might not realize that. I don't think they've been great running the football this year. I don't think they've been great in the passing game. That could just be you're kind of sleepwalking through the game. You win that game, what was it, last week, 48-3. Three forty-eight to seven, whatever, right, whatever yeah, it was. Forty-eight to three. Forty-eight to three. You win by forty-five and don't even play well. Right. That's the mark of a good team, a, and that can be scary if you do put it together. But it also showed in that game there were some vulnerabilities that Ball State could not take advantage of. So do those do those vulnerabilities are they still there on Saturday? And then can South Carolina take any measure of advantage? I, I think that's the question. If, if yeah, there it are vulnerabilities can can South Carolina be the team that it exposes them you know you could be sitting here saying look South Carolina um you know w- was tied with Furman with what six minutes to go in the second quarter mm-hmm. um so you know we can we can talk about what Georgia was sleepwalking through their first two games and you know blah 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 they could have been blowing them out earlier but you know, this South Carolina team obviously has shown vulnerabilities that they're trying to clean up, just like Georgia is trying to to clean it up as well. If you know what they see internally as their issues through two games, and you know, I I think in general we tend to just be like, okay, this is what Georgia was last year, so that's probably what they are this year. 
I think there are still some unknowns with this Georgia team. Sure. Now, to me, it goes back to is South Carolina the team that can expose that, or does mm-hmm. that come down the road? Like, um, we, we tend to just assume, yeah, that's yeah, they lost some guys, but they were replacing them with four and five stars, so they're just as good. I'm not ready to say that, but I'm also not ready to say that means anything for this week. We know that for South Carolina, this sort of work-in-progress offensive line is going to have to have taken a huge step going into this game. And I think if you're a Gamecock fan, there actually is kind of some life there. There's like the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's sort of the hope of these freshmen. But does that really help you this week? You know, I I think as the year goes on, you're kind of saying, look, Tree, you know, Tro, Marquis, they're going to come along. By the end of the year, two out of those three guys – Probably you're starting, I think, yeah. on this offensive line. But, th- you know, this week at Georgia, that that's a lot to really – you can't really put your hopes on that, no. I think. And it's one of those things that I brought this up with Colin earlier. It's like if you're going to put – if you if these are going to be your guys, get them ingrained in the starting lineup just to start having some kind of cohesion through because of the first three games – or first two games, how many different guys played on the offensive line? Several. And they've rotated a bunch of different uh, formations and stuff like that. And you want to get some kind of consistency going forward. And, yes, they may be in for a very long day on Saturday, but if you can have them out there on Saturday, the same starting five against Mississippi State, Tennessee going forward, then you start to get, again, that cohesion, these guys working together, being familiar with each other. And that's what's going to translate to success, hopefully sooner rather than later, but eventually down the road one way or the other. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I mean, you've played at what right tackle? You've played Casey Henry. Mm-hmm. You've played uh, Sidney Fugar at left tackle. You've played Sidney Fugar. You've played Jackson Hughes. You've played Jakai Moore at right tackle, and you've of course played Tree Babalade at left tackle. So, I mean, you've played all the guys you possibly could at that spot so far. Right. Uh, speaking of those freshmen on the offensive line, we did hear from Dow Loggins yesterday. About those guys, let's listen to what he had to say, as well as other things about the offense and some uh, Clayton White coming up a little bit later as you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you again coming up at 11 o'clock. Going to be joined for, by uh, Hayden Brown, I guess former South Carolina basketball player now. Uh, figure out what he's been up to and get his preview of what this upcoming season is going to be looking like. Basketball is actually not all that far away when you really think about it. I saw the uh, the 100-day countdown wasn't that long ago, so oh. we're well within the 100-day window. So don't tell Colin he hates. He especially hates the basketball countdown. Yeah, we know. So won't do that to he him. He hates all countdowns. He does. He, I, I made Countdown him, hater. I made him be okay with the football one because I just did it so much. He was secretly not okay, though. I know he secretly wasn't, but he got used to it. True. He knew I was going to do it. Yes. It's so funny because I think at the uh, at the Gamecock Central kickoff party, somebody asked him about that. Like, man, you really hate that countdown thing, don't you? And he's like, yeah, he does it on purpose. <laughs> so it's become a thing. It is definitely a thing. Um, you know what else is a thing? Is this never-ending offensive line conversation? Well, let's hear Dale Loggins talk about it. He spoke about the freshman, Tree Babalade, Trevon Ball, and uh, if they might start this weekend. What excites me is the body types. 
Like when you see them, they're put together. They're built the right way. They're freshmen. They haven't been trained. Um, they haven't been through a whole year of Coach Day. Um, so when you just look at them, we're we're recruiting the right type bodies here. The guys that are uh, big and thick and strong and um, and have length. Uh, but then you watch uh, Tro. Like Tro has football instinct. And he's got an edge to him. Even uh, you go back to the Furman game, and he's down the goal line, and um, he finishes with the guy in the end zone. Like he's putting his hands up, like, "Hey, I didn't hold him. Let's see." And he just he had enough awareness to do that. And Tree just is a guy that can set the edge. He's a big guy. When you play freshman, you're going to you're going to live with some mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. They don't have the experiences that older guys have. But at some point, it becomes about talent. And you say, "Hey, these young talented players are going to learn and get thrown in the fire." Um, and they need to – we're expecting them to play well when they do play and when their number's called, and they did last week. They, they've shown that every day at practice. Um, there's been ups and there's been downs. Um, the kids are smart and they compete hard and, and they're hungry. And they they want to play. They, they didn't come in with a mindset to, hey, I'm going to red shirt, I'm going to do this. They came in with a mindset of, like, I want to impact this team right now. So uh, I've been super fired up about both those guys' development, how they're coming, how they played last week. They still got a long way to go. But um, when you when you're recruiting the right body types, like those two kids are, um, it's it's something to be really excited about in the future. Uh, Colin is convinced that that means they're going to be starting this weekend. <laughs> well, science. Well, I think so. He said a lot, obviously, and it was the typical some of the typical stuff you have to throw in, of course, with fresh. Hey, they got a long way to go, guys. Like relax, but also some genuine excitement. The part of this quote, because um, Loggins was asked twice about the freshman, mm-hmm. and the part that just stood out to me that I kind of think you can parse away from the rest of it, quote from Loggins, they don't have the experience like older guys have, but at some point it becomes about talent. That, to me, tells you, you know, ultimately they – probably think the talent is going to win out it's just I, I think it's a more of a matter of if or more of a matter of when than if and you look at this they they repped ball with the first team at times last week you know tree babalade has gotten first team reps uh at some point in the last two weeks as well it it feels like that's what's coming and then you throw in Marky Anderson in there as well. If Marky Anderson is still playing guard, then, you know, I, so Garjulo's not going to be pulled from the lineup. No, he's been one of the consistencies so far. Probably their best offensive lineman so far, I think. Yeah. Him and Vershawn Lee. So, to me, you kind of have one spot up for grabs at guard, and mm-hmm. that will ultimately, if you really want to, like, play this thing out, can Trove Ball or Marky Anderson hold down one of those spots and then at left tackle, I mean, it feels to me like this is trending towards being Tree's spot. It's just a matter of when do, when do you make the move? Are you, do you do it going into Athens or do, you know, we saw this past week, they went the direction of starting the older guys, but then sort of turning the page fairly early in the game and saying, hey, we're going to put these guys in and let them make their debut. Another aspect of this, y'all, is though that, I mean, yes, Sidney Fugar has played, mm-hmm. but so it's different than being a true freshman. But this is his first year at South Carolina. This is his first year playing at this level too. So it's not like you're talking about replacing a guy who has started fifteen 
SEC ball games before right. either. Right. Well, and we knew with Fugar coming in, it was going to be a little bit of a development process. We certainly didn't anticipate him having to start in week number one against a Power 5 opponent in North Carolina, and obviously he seemed to be a little bit uh, in over his head in that regard. So, uh, yeah, you know, not to say that he can't be a great player down the line, but definitely needs more time to develop. Yeah, he, he does. And I, I think with uh, with all these guys, it is going to be a process, but it's kind of like what Loggins said about as an offensive coordinator. There, There's no honeymoon phase in the SEC, and there's no preseason, as we've talked about. There's no real chance to catch your breath. You kind of have to you have to move fast. Uh, the season goes fast. With the new clock rules, the games go fast too. So you uh, you are always in a race against the clock to try to figure this out. So I I tend I tend to agree with Colin in theory that that's where we're headed. I just am curious to see when and and is it for both those guys? Do you say, hey, we're going to throw both freshmen in there at this point, or do you kind of split the difference? I think there's some value. If you have one newcomer out there, the other guys can kind of, in a sense, help bring them along on the field. But, hey, no question, these dudes are super talented. Like, they look like you want them to look. Um, Babalade, I mean, man, he moves his feet well, too, to be as big as he is. Like, I, I thought he looked fantastic in uh, pass protection against Furman. It is Furman, but still, that's something to be excited about if you are a South Carolina fan. Yeah, I think we've been using this word trade-off a lot with, with certain things. And so, at some point, the talent does take over, like Logan said. But it's also another word that he's been using a lot, Wes, is process. And so, that's why, you know, maybe it's not this week that those guys are in the starting lineup. Or maybe it's one. Or maybe there's just more rotation. But as the season progresses, these guys continue to get more game reps. These guys continue to get... I mean, don't forget, don't underestimate the value of actual practice. You know, even though you're preparing for an opponent, you're not in preseason camp just working on yourself, just working on South Carolina. You're trying to develop as a player, but you're also working specifically on each opponent on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday walkthrough before the game. Um, those things are – that's valuable time. And so as the year goes along, these guys could continue to progress and get in there more. I think the question becomes those mistakes that, that Dowell Loggins and Shane Beamer have both now said, hey, you are going to have to live with those. The question becomes, do you want to live more with, you know, maybe some busted plays, some missed assignments, or do you want to go with kind of what we've seen so far, which is a combination of busted plays and missed assignments and just getting beat physically? You know, we've seen a little bit of that, especially in the North Carolina game. It was a combo of those things you got to clean it up somewhere. So a lot of times in recruiting, we say if you're going to miss, you know, miss on athleticism. And that's kind of the thought process behind the offensive line too. Right. You Now, that's a tough pill to swallow because if a left tackle turns a free rusher loose, your quarterback's getting destroyed. <laughs> you know, but we've had – we have – it's not like we've seen um, just great comprehensive – um, on the same page offensive line play anyway. It's not just about the physical part. It's been all of it. So try to solve what you can in this process. And, and those those young guys up front, they, I mean, they're your most talented guys, really, in right. terms of their physical ability. Yeah. 
I think the other side of that is, though, we also we can't expect them as freshmen, even though they are talented, to also not have some of the, uh, I, I guess, not opportunities. But there will be situations where they're going to be physically and kind of outmatched yes. Yes. as well, uh, probably just from a pure strength standpoint, too. If you're facing edge guys who have been in the program for three years and have been in a college strength program wherever, wherever they're at, right. um, you know, they're just because they're the most talented on the team right now doesn't mean they're not going to have some of those same issues too. So I, I do right. think we kind of, as fans and media, we almost think of it as like this magic fix um, where I, I do think, I mean, go back to process. I think that's right. definitely, uh, it's going to be a, a long process, frankly. We'll hear a little bit more from Dow Loggins coming up as uh running game goes hand in hand with what's going on with the offensive line. We'll hear what he had to say about that coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a different ball game. Obviously, uh, when you start SEC play, it's the it's a line of scrimmage league. It's, you know, everything starts and finishes with that in this conference. Um, I thought we were probably a little bit better against uh, Furman than we were against North Carolina. Um, but it's still got a, lot, a long way to go. Like, um, we're still growing. We're still trying to figure out our best five offensive linemen, and that's going to be a process. Like I told you guys a couple weeks ago, um, we're not there yet. Um and this week will be another huge, huge test. This team is really good, um, really, really good. And um, we're also excited about the opportunity to kind of figure out you know, where we're at and continue to go forward and can continue to grow on. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris. That was the voice, of course, of Dow Loggins. Talking yesterday as we continue our conversation about the offensive line, about the run game specifically, which hasn't. Been great through the first two games, as he mentioned, a little bit better against Furman, but definitely a tough task this weekend against Georgia. And while you're still trying to figure out those uh, starting five on the offensive line, the run game, you know, we saw the little flashes here and there on Saturday against Furman. To carry on Joyner broke off a 16-yard run. Um, uh, uh, Juju McDowell, I believe, had a 9-yard run as well as Mario Anderson, but still a work in progress as far as the uh, uh, run game goes. And, again, you're going up against the toughest defensive front, probably going to face the entire season against Georgia this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even the fact that we're having to point out, um, you know, hey, he did have this one 16-yard run, and there was a 9-yarder. Yeah. Kind of speaks to to where things were, you know, frankly. And... um you know, people are going to get tired of hearing the phrase work in progress, but that, that's kind of what it is. This is going to have to be a throw to set up the run type offense, I think. Um, people are going to get annoyed by all the short throws, I think, at times. But I think when you see that, you got to just tell yourself, okay, that's what they're subbing for the running game. And, you know, I, I think the scary part is that you know, you play a lot of defenses in college that are like what South Carolina does, which is single high safety, which is there's an extra guy in the box. You say, hey, we're going to do everything we can to stop the run. It feels like Kirby, now they're going to be very multiple, but it feels like Kirby 
is okay with playing two high safeties and saying we can stop the run anyway mm. like that. And so if you're if you're South Carolina and you see the two high safeties and you're still struggling to run the ball, that means that means Georgia can sit there and essentially double team Xavier Leggett and double team Juice Wells. Like they they have safety help on both sides of the field and it's just one extra person in coverage that isn't there when a team feels like they have to sell out to stop the run. So uh, I think Georgia will show looks that schematically will tell you run the football. But if you're a team that your strength is to throw the football, you you still have to be able to throw it. And so I, I think that's something that's a game within the game type thing to watch on Saturday. When they're when they're sort of selling out against the pass, can you find any way to churn out? It doesn't even have to be chunks. Can you can you get three or four yards <laughs> as opposed to a negative play. Um, if you're in negative yardage against Georgia, so if you're in second and 12, third and 10, any of those things, you you really honestly, frankly, have no shot to, to move the ball consistently and win the game. Well, and to go back to what Dowell Loggins said uh, this week, yesterday, this is a Georgia defense that has, you know, NFL caliber players, but they also are going to present a pretty complex look to you right now. So there are different types of defenses. Wes and I were talking about this yesterday. You're going to get some defenses that are just going to be, yes, they have talent, but they're just solid. This is what we play. Here's what we are. It's not overly complicated. It's not overly exotic. You're going to see some teams that kind of smoke and mirrors their way to being good defenses. Georgia really kind of just packages everything together. So they've got really good players but they're also going to present tons of problems to you because of how they structure their defense. It's, I mean, Loggins pointed out everything schematically that you see in the NFL, Georgia can bring to you, and they do it well. You know, it's not like they do it and, and they all look discombobulated and confused out there. They, they have experienced players who are really talented. They, they play with a lot of intensity, but they, they are in the right places typically. So you have – now a bunch of different battles to fight if you're on the offense, and especially for a team that has had offensive struggles. So you think about running the football. Well, you know, to your point, Wes, you might get a look that you think is one thing, but are you reading it correctly pre-snap? You know, maybe not. They're, they're going to cause you problems with that. Um, can you block them is, is, is another thing. And then, you know, another one, I mean, we could list off a bunch of them, but when they're rushing the passer, whether it's with four, whether it's with five, six, three, South Carolina has shown vulnerabilities in pass protection as well. So they're going to throw a lot of different looks probably at an offensive line that's had issues picking up different movements, and they're going to do a lot of that type of stuff. So your challenge is really amplified here, not only because of the opponent, how they structure their defense, but also it's going to potentially magnify the problems that you have that you've brought into the game. I think that's where you also, going back to our previous discussion, that is where you kind of have to be a little bit at least deliberate, um, not hesitant, but deliberate about am I going to throw these true freshmen in there because they're going to see things that even against your typical SEC opponent, you probably don't see from week to week. Georgia's going to throw you a a bunch of stuff, and I I think – 
you know, this is a program, Georgia is, that has recruited so well now that, yeah, if you're a freshman and you're just one of these elite of the elite guys, you can go ahead and break into the lineup. But for the most part, you know, they're kind of in that thing where, hey, we got great players. If you come in, you can be a great player, but you can wait your turn so you can learn this defense. You can sort of uh, develop for a couple of years and then play. So I, I think that allows you, if you're Georgia, to run this defense where you do a bunch of different things. You're extremely multiple. Your guys understand it well because you're not at the point like South Carolina is where you're relying on um, you know, a Jalen Kilgore who's a great player, but he's a true freshman. So you you don't quite have as much of an opportunity to do all these different things on defense if you're playing a bunch of young players. Georgia probably sits there and says, hey, you know, our guys kind of wait their turn and learn the defense, learn the scheme, and uh, that allows you to be much more multiple. The one thing with play, again, Georgia with what they do, they're asked to do a lot, and they do it very well, and they have typically under Kirby Smart. But the one thing to keep in mind is when you run a more complex defensive system, that does create more of an opportunity for bust. So kind of everything we've been talking about today is kind of provisional, right? Like this would have to happen. Could This could happen. And then the other side of it, can South Carolina take advantage? So we know, for instance, that the Gamecocks have some receivers and tight ends, particularly if Juice Wells is the healthiest he's been going into the game, and they have a quarterback that can make you pay for busts on the back end. But again, even that's provisional because what's happening up front? What does what does the box look like? What do the trenches look like? All provisional. But you're not saying, well, you know, if Georgia bust, can South Carolina take advantage? You would actually feel like they, they might could, right? Sure. So think about the 2010. This one's coming up, and this because it's the number one team. The 2010 Alabama defense, they busted some coverages, right? Because they play a complex t- type of defense. So can you create some situations schematically and with your talent that that puts a little bit of pressure on Georgia, certainly more than they've seen the first couple weeks? Maybe so. Absolutely. Uh, we'll jump over to the other side of the ball real quick as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Here from Clayton White coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Not surprised Boogie was talking, but... uh. <laughs> But it's really a mix, to be honest with you. Like, you know, you know, normally, naturally, if I call a football game, you get between six and ten TFLs. So, you know, right now those aren't coming naturally. So we got to find ways to, to help them and, and, and vice versa. We're back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Tyler West and Chris along with you. Coming up at the top of the 11, going to have Hayden Brown in for the Garnet Trust Hour today. Again, kind of flipping things around as far as the schedule goes. That was the sound of Clayton White, defensive coordinator for the Gamecocks, talking about the defense through these first two games. And the TFLs just have not been where you want them to be. Of course, Debo uh, Williams getting the lone one against North Carolina in week number one. And if you're going to make any kind of impact against Georgia this weekend, you're going to have to be able to get to some of these guys in the backfield. And again, it's going to be a tall task doing it against a very good offensive front that the Bulldogs have. Y'all, y'all ever watch a game where you're watching your team's defense and it's like, um, oh man, we, we, we played that played that one pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like second and seven. And then, you know, ball snap. It's kind of 
a lot of those plays that you don't even remember if you're looking back on a game and you know, the team runs the ball on second down and you're like, Oh man, we played that one pretty well and now it's third and three. And then the offense, you know, that your team's going against has every single play in their playbook at their disposal. Right. They make the first down, you're on a fresh set of downs, and then you're like, Oh man, we we played that one pretty well. And you're like, Oh, but it's second and six. Right. And so it's just kind of these mundane you don't really remember them plays. Both sides, after each individual play, are probably saying, all right, you know, that was an okay play. Well, those add up. And I, I think for, for South Carolina, they just have not been able to necessarily, especially against North Carolina, put themselves in those positions where the other team is saying, all right, we're off schedule. We have to try to get this back. We have to try to get this back on track. So, you know, Clayton White said, Hey, if those things aren't coming naturally, maybe you have to do some other things to try and help with that. You would assume that means bringing more pressure. That's every fan's answer is, hey, blitz more. That puts your guys in coverage, right? That puts your guys in one-on-one situations down the field. So, you know, there's give and take. I guess that's probably another trend for today's show. There's, like, give and take. There's, um, you know, trade-off trade off for everything. <laughs> and you know, there's going to be trade-off here as well, but ultimately – like I think Boogie Huntley said this week, ultimately the guys up front are going to have to win a few more of those one-on-one battles and get guys down on the ground. Only two teams have through two just two game sample size, right? I, I realize that. But only two teams have been worse than South Carolina's defense this year, the tackles for loss so far. Gamecocks have team tackles for loss. They have five total. Georgia Tech and UNLV. Right, so mm. it's kind of been speaking of trends. When you look back at South Carolina's teams the past two years, they've had they've been so honestly. There's been in, inconsistency, probably the best word in that. There have been some areas that have been really good, right? Forcing turnovers, special teams, etc. There have been some areas that have been really poor. Turning the football over, for instance, has been one of them running the football, stopping the run, to where you feel like if, if it was more balanced, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to predict, but but maybe there would have been some more wins in there. But maybe if those other areas were not as good, special teams, turnovers on defense, you know, may, maybe the, there would not have been as many wins. So it's kind of hard to tell, but this is one of those areas that you want to get better as the season goes along. I don't th- – kind of like the offensive line, kind of like the running game on offense, I don't think this is one – where you go from worst to first, right? You don't play Furman in North Carolina and create five tackles for loss and then go play Georgia, Mississippi State, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, and all of a sudden you're one of the best in the country. But you need to get back to where this averages out a little bit more. What was the number Clayton White gave? Six to... Yeah, around se- six. Yeah, I mean, six a game. They have five in two games. Yeah. Not not sustainable when you're getting into conference play. So you got to find a way to get it done, and you have to do it uh, without compromising giving up big you know shot explosive plays defensively too because you're having to manufacture it a little bit more yeah I think that's going to be a continued conversation throughout the year until it's not if you look at the grades on PFF again that's not the be all everything but um, the guys up front have actually graded out pretty well so it seems like you're not you're not really having like a bunch of busted assignments or big mistakes but you're also not having those kind of flash like pop plays either so I think that's something they're obviously going to have to improve on the other interesting thing I thought taken away from Clayton White was just the discussion of 
if Nicky Mimori is back this week or when he does come back. You know, what does that mean for Jalen Kilgore? Do you slide guys around and try and get all those guys, all those guys being Eamon Worry, Jalen Kilgore, and DQ Smith on the field at the same time? Obviously, we know DQ Smith played a ton of nickelback last year. Clayton White saying that, hey, Nick E can play multiple spots too. As of right now, it sounds like Jalen Kilgore, as a freshman, they're going to just limit him to playing one spot. That Those three guys, though, I mean, when Nick E gets back, Man, they. It seems like it's almost a no-brainer based on what we've seen. Now we don't have access. We don't have everything, right? Like we don't internally know did he play his assignment here, and it just you didn't see it. Was it was there a problem here, and you didn't see? It. But what we have seen of Jalen Kilgore has been really, really good. And so I think you know you always talk about finding your best five between your two corner spots, your two safety spots, your nickel spot. He's got to be like, one of I mean, them, man. He, he's one of them. He's in that top five, and so. Now you got to find a way to get him on the field. I mean, you don't want – it's kind of like with Luke Doty. I mean, Shane Beamer said many times, Luke doesn't need to be standing beside me holding a clipboard on the sideline. So you play him at receiver. Same thing with Kilgore. He's too good to just be Nicky Minwari's backup, and that's it. Yep, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Again, coming up next is the Garnet Trust Hour with special guest Hayden Brown. That is coming up right here on the game.